We're going to be looking at the book of Revelation today. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Revelation, the second to the last chapter in the Bible, Revelation chapter 21. I don't know about you, but I feel like I've already had a sermon today. So don't worry, I'm not going to go for 40 minutes. I'll cut it back and we can have on with our wonderful day in paradise. But, you know, this week at our men's weekly breakfast, one that we call Iron Hour, uh, we began like we normally do with a question that we then discuss after about a half-hour breakfast. And today I'd like you to think about the question that I asked those men this Wednesday. The question was this. What have you built or done or accomplished that you can take a a healthy kind of pride in? That when you look at or think about it, you just feel good. And I asked them that question, and then I got up after breakfast and asked it again. And at first, no one said much. And so I said, okay, guys, you're going to have to swallow your humility. Usually we have to swallow our pride, but swallow your humility. Let's talk about it. God's God's built us to want to accomplish things, things that by His grace we can take pride in. And pretty soon things opened up, and we listed everything from our food bank addition. We doubled the size of the food bank, and guys in the church helped out there to building a a home in Juarez for uh, a needy family to the, uh, the retaining wall I built in front of our house. Okay? And I didn't share this with them, but I'll share a little bit more today. It's kind of a three-level terrace with this beautiful, sweeping curve, you know, that invites you uh, up into the house and with dry-stacked river rock at each level, three levels, each rock fitting together like a, you know, like a puzzle. And uh, each wall had this gentle slope up and down, and it follows the contours of the hill and this beautiful tough double curve, and it sweeps up to, to the driveway to invite you into the house. I could go on and on about this. But I'll spare you. And um, I'll spare me because some of the memories are not all that good to the point that sometimes when I think about it, I get these flashbacks. I think they call it post-traumatic stress flashbacks. Okay. For instance, at one point I cut into our gas line and uh, I even had a locate done, but I was digging so much I lost the line and sounded like the air was going out of the whole world. Right. And that's what I felt like, too. But thank goodness, a guy from Excel was ready on the spot. He was, came, and he was really nice about it, fixed it in about five minutes. But uh, that wasn't the problem. The real problem came <clears throat> the uh, second time it happened. <laughs> second time I cut into the gas line. That was a different story. I mean, that day, I learned the meaning of the wrath of God, or at least approximate. First, the fire department shows up, right, in front of all the neighbors. Didn't happen the first time. The first time. And the men get out, and they're kind of laughing about it, and they're saying, don't worry about that, it happens all the time. And, and then the Excel guy shows up, same guy as before. And he gets out of his truck, and he slams the door, and he starts to swear a blue streak. And I'm, you know, and just as I'm about to ask the fireman to tell, it, tell him how it happens all the time, and it's not that big a deal, you know, right? They get in their red fire truck, and they're out of there before he lays into them. <laughs> I guess. And he comes up to where the leak is and he starts to to heave all those beautiful river rocks all over the road. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking he ought to do the shot put. He's good. He wrecked in about two minutes what took me about two days to lay. Wish I had a stopwatch. And that wasn't the half of it. That's less than the half of it, if that. All my trials and tribulations and getting that wall done. And I'm telling you, It about did me in. It was one of those home improvement projects from hell, right? Man, how many of you know what I mean? 
Thank you. <laughs> but now, every time I drive by it, my heart swells with a satisfied pride, with gratitude to the Lord for answering my many prayers and somehow making it all work together for the good of this wall and for delivering me from my enemies and for saving me from being like totally embarrassed in front of the neighbors if it hadn't worked out. And as I drive by, I see in the middle of the lower wall, there's a, there's a rock about this big that's in the shape of, the, of a heart. And nestled on the top part of the heart where each side curves out are two red rocks like two little turtle doves nesting together, held there, cradled on either side by the heart, which of course stands for love. And altogether it stands for Julie and me. And I told Julie, every time you drive by that wall, I want you to remember that you owe me something, girl. <laughs> right? No, I didn't actually say that. I, I want you to remember it was all for you. It really was, because I knew how much it would mean. And I remember that as uh, that the wall is just a token of all that she does for me. And under it all, um, uh, it's, it's like the heart of our home. And so... Up there on the whiteboard last Wednesday, I was writing down all the things they took proud in and among all the projects and activities that the other men took a healthy kind of pride in, I wrote a terraced rock wall. And then I drew a circle all the way around them and an arrow coming out of the circle. And at the end of the arrow, I wrote New Jerusalem. New Jerusalem, because all of those projects all together only begin to approach what we're going to feel like, how our hearts will swell with a healthy kind of pride when we see her. See her, see who? John says, verse 1 of chapter 21 of Revelation, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And we unpack the verses that followed. And then this week, go down to verse 10. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. It's radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels. And on the gates, the names of the twelve angels, the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east, three gates. On the north of the city, three gates. On the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The first characteristic of the New Jerusalem, we'll see this week, is that she will have historical roots. Historical roots. Beginning with the gates. Because get this, names from old creation history are going to be inscribed over the gates. The, the names, it says, of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel. 
And if you think about it, it's nothing short of astounding. Because remember, we're on the other side of the millennium now. We're in the eternal kingdom, which will come after the millennial kingdom, the thousand-year rule of Christ on the earth. And the, the old creation has passed away, and we're in a new creation now. It's, it's a thousand years after the beginning of the millennium, and well over 3,000 years after the end of the Old Testament. We're moving into eternity now. And while we'll forget all the pain, we're told, we'll remember the people. Because there, over the twelve gates, we'll see Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, uh, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher. It says in Isaiah 65 that the former things will not be remembered then or even come to mind. But what we will remember is this, that the faithful remnant of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were the ones through whom the Messiah came, who saved us from our sins so we could be with Him. They're the ones who made it possible for us to enter the city by the gates. That's the message. And it says the wall of the city, the wall of the city had 12 foundations. That is, there will be 12 courses, 12 levels supporting the walls. And on them, it says, we'll see the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Again, on the foundations of the city, we'll see names from old creation history. But this time, it's a little bit closer to home. Because from New Testament days, we'll see some other names inscribed there, this time on the foundations. Peter. Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, Judas, Matthias. And why will their names be there? Because if our salvation came through the Jews, through Old Testament history, uh, making possible our access to the city, the Bible says that the apostles laid the foundations of the church, which now we see are the foundations for the city. And so their names will be carved up there too, celebrated for all eternity on the wall's foundation stones. And get this. Christ says in the same book, in Revelation 3.11, He who overcomes, He's talking to you and me now, those who are true followers of Christ, trying to make it in the narrow way that's sometimes excruciatingly narrow. He says, He who overcomes, I will make him or her, Revelation 3.11, a pillar in the temple of my God. The city will be the temple, we know, the dwelling place of God for all eternity. And he's saying that by our overcoming deeds, by, by persevering through hell and high water, by remaining faithful to the end, by being true followers of Christ, all our overcoming labor somehow is serving to pillar, to, to buttress the city. Imbuing it with a human beauty. And all the names that will be up there will commemorate those who engaged in this, ap this epic battle and built the kingdom both in their own hearts, their lives, their character, and in the world around them. Paul said to the Corinthians, I laid the foundation, which means I planted the church at Corinth. I taught you the foundational doctrines of the faith. I established you in the faith. The apostles laid the foundation for the worldwide church, the church universal. But at the same time, there was something deeper going on, actually higher, because the names of the apostles are going to be on the foundations of the city. Because in some mysterious way, the apostles' work on earth was building the city, the, the, uh, Christ's work in heaven. 
The apostles' work on earth in building the church was linked with Christ's work in heaven as he built the city. Because, you see, the church, universal, all the Christians the world over, is connected to the eternal city, the church universal. And it includes all the followers of Christ the world over and all that they're doing at home, at work, at play, just like you are now, in all their spheres of influence, from the family to the church to the country to the world as we shine the light. The Scripture teaches that the church universal and the, the uh, eternal city are two sides of the same coin. Now, I'm cutting out a lot, and I wish there were time to go into all the passages, because the church and the city, the work on earth and the work in heaven, are two building projects going up at the same time. The Scripture is very clear about that. One invisibly, by faith without sight. Where is the church universal? The other is going up visibly, when faith will become sight. The eternal city. This is what it means to lay up our treasures in heaven as we work for Christ here below, to, to, to strive to please Him in all that we do at home, at work, at school, in our spheres of influence, both our own and those the Christians the world over. We're building the city. We're storing the treasures there. We're giving Him the material and the shape and all the rest through which He uses to build that city. It's like, kind of like there are two dimensions, two universes, two realities the earthly and the heavenly. And the two are intimately connected. Kind of like what, what they used to call a pantograph. Pantograph. How many of you re remember what pant... Okay, you betray your age. Thank you. I remember too. A pantograph. The, um, they used pantographs before the day when copiers could do enlargements. And so draftsmen would use the pantograph to enlarge their drawings, okay? Two pencils were connected by this mechanical apparatus. And so whatever you traced, whatever image you were tracing or whatever diagram or drafting form or whatever you traced with one pencil, the other pencil would draw it larger instantly. And such is the connection between earth and heaven as we draw our lives Nothing you do is ever wasted. Your, your work matters to God. To put it mildly, you can take pride in what you do, whether you're a, a plumber or a banker. Both are equally valuable in the economy of the kingdom. Both are contributing to the city. You may feel unfulfilled in your work right now. Like it doesn't matter. None of what I do has eternal value. It's not what you really want to be doing in life. You've not found that sweet spot. Well, take heart. Your work on earth is fulfilling, being fulfilled in heaven. His will in heaven is being done right now as you do your work on earth, as you grit it out one foot in front of another. Someone told a parable about this once. It's about Nehemiah overseeing the building of the walls. It's back in Old Testament days. And about what was really going on back then as it's going on today. Listen, Nehemiah is pacing the streets at the first light, examining the builder's progress. He gravely nods in greeting at the first workmen as they begin to appear. He pauses, suppressing a smile, and contemplates sections of the city's thick walls, the new as well as those that still aren't there. And here it is. No one can see the great rose already dawning, looming above them like a spaceship. Do you see the rose dawning as you do your work on earth? 
looming above you like a spaceship. Someone said, my vocation, my work is his hammer, level, and spade. Because while we work, invisible walls and gateways are rising. While we push paper or dig ditches, he builds his kingdom with our sweat. In that kingdom, there will be no false starts, no futility. What looks like failure here may be treasure in heaven. You know, Christ said two things that are most important when it comes to eternity. And they're linked. Don't know if you ever thought about this. He said, I will build my church, right? But he also said, I go to prepare a what? Place for you. He's working on two things at the same time. And we're doing it together with him. And that's the best part of it all. As he works down here through all we do, he's working up there through all we do. Because he wants a place that's not just his, but that's ours. He wants a divine human union. That's the goal of all history. A divine human union, both in the love that we'll know with him and in the home that we'll share with him. Because, you see, what we're doing with him is this. We're virtual friends. It's all virtual. Don't even see him. We're virtual friends working on a home in heaven in the blessed hope of becoming actual lovers. Christ and the church. And you know what? Our hearts will swell with a healthy kind of pride when we see her. New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. It'll take our breath away. And our hearts will swell with gratitude for the Lord, for answering our many prayers and somehow putting it all together and for delivering us from all our enemies. Because he's drawing a circle around all that we do. Even now, he's drawing a circle around all that we do through old creation history. And the shape of that circle will be a city. A rose dawning, coming down out of heaven from God like a spaceship. And the heart of the place he's preparing, and the place that we're preparing with him, at the heart of it all, will be you and me and him. The whole city will be like the, the middle of a wall that's in front of our house. The third terrace down. And in the middle there will be the one with a rock in the middle about this big, the shape of a heart. The one where nestled on the top part of the heart where each side curves out are two red rocks like two little turtle doves together held there, cradled on either side by love. The whole city will have the feel of love. A fierce, flaming kind of love. A burning heart. But instead of turtle doves, there will be two majestic glories in union. God and man. Christ and the church. The bridegroom and the bride. The fire and the rose. And the fire and the rose will be one. Forever and ever. World without end. Amen. So, sing a song of celebration. You know that song? Lift up a shout of praise, for the bridegroom will come, the glorious one, and all we will look on his face. We'll go to a much better place. Dance with all your might. Lift up your hands and clap for joy. The time's drawing near when he will appear. 
And oh, we will stand by His side, a strong, pure, spotless bride. We will dance on the streets that are golden, the glorious bride and the great Son of Man from every tribe and tongue and nation will join in the song of the Lamb.
follower of Christ, if you've appealed to Him to save you from your sins, you'll be entering the gates of the city. And for all who know they will do that, right now, whatever happens around you, whatever's going on in the world, you can go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. And share this gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen and amen. Thanks for coming. Have a great day.